Hello, mate. Hey, Liam. How's it going? Not too bad. What are you saying? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. That's all right. So, yeah, just before we get started, maybe I'll give a quick introduction to what we're looking to do here with these quick one with conversations. So the idea is that these would be short and sweet conversations with people such as yourself, Liam, working in sport as a sort of virtual post-work drink style conversation. So talking about topical subjects, but also delving into your area of expertise, which obviously today is social media. But before we get started, I thought I'd maybe ask you a couple couple slightly more random questions just to get things going. So the first one is, if this was a proper post-work drinks, what would you order? What would your drink be? And then the second one is, what's the last bit of sport you watched or talked about before jumping on here? Uh, what drink would I have? Hmm. You know what? I feel like half five. Probably just gonna start on the pint, then. You don't wanna seem too, too don't be going too too hard too soon. Like I'd probably have like a pint just to set myself in, <laughs> and then probably move to gin and tonics. Nice, I like it. I like it. And then yeah, what's the uh, what's the last bit of sport that you you watched or talked about today? Um, the last bit of sport I watched was probably it's probably the Man City game, you know. Um, yesterday was it yesterday? days no Tuesday weren't it and then the last thing I spoke about was probably I don't know if this is going to count as sport but it was like the Tommy Fury and Jake Paul potential fight but I'm not sure if we're going to count that as sport as it's not happened and are they boxers I mean I know they're technically professional but are they it's like very loose isn't it at the moment it's the perfect overlap of this conversation right social media and sport yeah massively yeah, there you go. You started it already. So going into social media and actually this platform itself, what have you made of, of Clubhouse? You know what? I find it like I wish this was about when I was at university. Like, I just think it would have been the most useful tool ever. Like I could have, I could have had all my lectures. This is going to sound so lazy, but I know everyone thinks it. I could have had all my lectures at home in bed and just still been able to contribute and get all the information. Like, it seems... At first, I thought it was a bit weird that it's not, like, a video platform because everything seems to be video platforms at the moment. But at the same time, I listen to podcasts and I'm not surprised that they don't have videos sort of thing. So it does make sense. But I just think, like, the networking side of it and, like, being able to learn off it is so mad. It's just... I don't know if it's been... If it was happening before or I'm not sure how old it is, but... It just seems to have come at a perfect time. Like during lockdown, you can't really go do anything. You can't go anywhere. It just seems to have been like perfectly positioned for the current climate. Yeah, definitely. I think that's interesting though that you, you started mentioning sort of the educational potential of it because it's definitely, the way I've seen it so far is definitely from a networking point of view. I think it's, it's definitely used quite a lot for that. But yeah, you're right. I think to have lectures on here and to have classes on here that would that would have been pretty cool as whilst we were all at uni for sure have you seen anyone else use it in this kind of interesting way that thought you could do in future i just like the the like almost like the ease of it do you know what i mean like you know you can just 
like you can just jump on and start talking. I just feel like the visibility of it almost is a lot better than if you jumped on, say, like Instagram and did it or on Twitter, because obviously, oh, like Facebook. I just think it's much better at linking up like-minded people. Um, I don't know if that's down to the algorithms or like the tagging and stuff, but I just think it's a lot more, it's just a lot smarter in terms of like aligning you with interests that you have and other people. Yeah, I think so too. I think to me, that's what I in the beginning struggled with the most was kind of finding my niche and sort of knowing where to go. But before you know it, the app kind of did it for you. I mean, trusted developers of the app to try and sort it out in such a way that you land in the things that you want to hear about. But I don't know. I think I think from my point of view, it's interesting that you don't have to worry about what it looks like. It genuinely can be more educational because it's more about what people are saying rather than what their background looks like or what they've got on camera. Mm. I think stuff like that just makes it more just makes it more accessible because like so many times I've gone to like film stuff and it's like oh the house is a mess or like the lighting's bad and you just think like once your content looks a bit like depleted then it's hard to like one be pan passionate about it and two for like for other people to watch it so yeah. for this to not have to worry about that it just makes it so much more accessible for everyone yeah and to what extent do you think as well like i mean that the fact that it's not doesn't live there forever type of thing that people aren't worried about oh what if i send a tweet out about this it's gonna bite me in the ass when i'm asked to come to host the oscars or whatever it may be i think stuff like that's a bit of like a double-edged sword anyways because there's always that thing that you might do something that's not amazing but at the same time you can have an amazing talk and then be like oh it's it's not there anymore do you know what i mean yeah, fair. yeah. but obviously there's still there's still ways to record it and like stuff like that but yeah, that's, that always is the double-edged sword of, of the industry, if anything, or, or most social media apps. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think a good point that Bass made when we were actually setting up this call was that the live aspect of it, as opposed to a podcast where, you know, you can prepare a podcast and have it all, all your questions written down, whereas the good thing about these rooms is that it can be a little bit more spontaneous and you can just talk about topical things of the day rather than go through something that is a bit more timeless like the fact that it is live i think does allow people to be a bit more relaxed about what they're talking about and a bit more in the moment yeah i guess from being from your home as well that's the one thing i think from lockdown that's been better like before in my head is like okay i want to do a podcast with someone i want to go somewhere i want to sit down with them and do it like that but now everything is so like connected even though we had all this before it wasn't we just didn't see it as an option and now yeah. it's been forced on us. Everyone's like, oh, you know what? If I want to get a guest speaker in, I can just ring them in sort of thing instead of having, oh, can you come up to Manchester from London? And then it's, okay, that's two hours out of their day. And then you need to be here for an hour. It's just made everything a lot quicker and a lot more accessible. Do you think that will stay as like the accepted norm post-COVID? Um, I don't know if it will be the norm, but I think it will be much more accepted. I think yeah. it will be, people will be a lot more open to it. Yeah, um, exactly. it's like say if you only wanted like they want you for a job for an hour to come record one thing you can quickly do that and send it to them yeah instead of having to go up there 
I just think it allows it just opens up a whole more like a whole bigger world and like the whole remote working and stuff like that. I do think going forward it will it will look a lot different. But I always think that like how will content look out of lockdown now? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because then I mean we're now used to seeing loads of interviews on TV even being done via Zoom or some sort of video call. I wonder if that's gonna stay. I do think that makes that does make a massive difference because you always think like we used to do it with people overseas. Like if you had a contributor in America and you couldn't go there, you'd just jump on a video call. But now yeah. it just seems it just seems much more like just much more regular, if that makes sense. No, definitely, definitely. And Liam, what's that like for you in, in your position where you're maybe interviewing someone so before you'd be able to sit down with them in a room, you'd maybe have that little chat with them before you got properly started in the interview, but now you know, you don't necessarily have that little bit of time beforehand and it's, it's all obviously via tech, so you can't necessarily build up that relationship before the interview starts. Like, how, how has that changed how you go about speaking to these people? It does make it a lot harder. Like, that opening, what, five minutes or so when you're getting ready with someone or, like, just getting in a position, putting mics on, you can, like, just sort of break the ice. But now it's a case of, like... So I have a call with someone at seven o'clock. I might jump on at half six and just talk them through what we're going to do. Just like introduce yourself because you're not getting that little bit of time beforehand where you can speak to them, shake the hand sort of thing. And it seems so minute, like it doesn't seem, you don't think it will actually affect what you're doing. But I think it does have quite a big, it does have quite a big like effect on the content. Like when you're doing stuff with people you've worked with before or you know, it makes no difference. You can jump on an hour before or a minute before and it makes no difference really. With new people, it is a lot different because sometimes like, I found that a lot of people are more comfortable on like a Zoom interview because you're in your own house. Yeah. So you're not gone to a place where you're not comfortable. I don't know, because even for me, like I find that like sometimes when I go places to film stuff and you don't know your surroundings and you're a bit like, okay, not only have I got to worry about the interview, my scripts. I also don't know where I'm going. Yeah. So that's just another thing that weighs on your mind. But if I'm doing something from my house, I've not got to worry. I've not got to worry about asking for a drink or looking for a toilet. I know where all that stuff is. And it does, these little things do put your mind at ease. Yeah, 100%. But I, I can imagine what you're saying those first five minutes to just even feel the energy in the room with the person as well. Like that immediately probably sends a sign of, okay, these are the type of questions I'm, I am going to get away with. And these are definitely no go zones. Yeah. Even like, like facial expressions and stuff is harder to, to like clock onto when you're doing it online. But um, yeah, it, some, yeah it, does, it does make a difference. I think a lot of people have done very well and I think everyone understands the situation. So people are like almost more forgiving, like contributors, presenters, everyone sort of thing. But, yeah. I do miss doing stuff in person. Like I don't think it will be if there's the possibility to do stuff in person or the stuff to do stuff online, I don't think it is it's an easy option. It's like you wouldn't be like, oh, let's just do it online. Yeah, exactly. Because someone made a good point which I never even thought about, is that you don't actually make even though both of you have got your video on, you don't actually make eye contact because you're looking at you're both looking at a screen of the other person. So you're always looking at someone that's looking slightly down or up or wherever the camera may be. Yeah, well, that's always the thing because it's like you want to look at the person who you're interviewing or interviewing you so you can sort of pick up on their 
like social cues, but you've got to look down the camera, you've got to look down the lens. If I look down the lens, I'm not seeing what you're doing in the corner sort of thing. Yeah. So it is, it is just like little things like that. You do, you do like miss, like if you see someone smirk and a question, you're like, okay, I can pry a bit more and maybe it'll get a laugh or, mm-hmm. and when, when you can't do stuff like that, even like, like lagging and stuff, like if my computer buffers and I miss your laugh, do you know what I mean? Like that can make yeah. a massive difference to where the interview's going or if, I'm a little bit behind and you make a joke and then five minutes later I actually hear it and then it lands and then I laugh and it's just like this, this just looks a bit awkward and you feel a bit awkward as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting point about, about the eye contact. I've never really thought about that at all. It's interesting because actually this app, I think, despite you know not having video at all, so even less eye contact or any cues, I think it does feel, feel quite comfortable talking on, on here. I wonder how organizations moving forward are going to use this app i don't quite know where it fits in in an organization strategy i can see from an individual's perspective you know the networking thing the educational thing but i think it'll be used they could use like workshops and things especially like during the working day because i hate like okay we've got a meeting or something and it's i know you can put it on in the background and have it working but this because it's not video you don't really need that amazing internet connection so this is much more mobile or you can just have this run in the background while you get on with other stuff. And I just think it's it's just another tool. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be interested to know if sort of internally people in organizations will use it because obviously, Josh, you started a new role during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Do you think something like Clubhouse would have been helpful to get to know people that you're working with? The difficult thing about starting a, a new job in, in lockdown was definitely just not having that time or that space to have those more casual conversations so a lot of any conversations I'll have with my colleagues do tend to be on set topics and I think having a space where you can kind of go off on tangents and talk about different things and not have an agenda I think that's something that is probably needed and would yeah would definitely help I think myself but I'm sure loads of other people that have started new positions in lockdown for sure. Yeah, it's really hard and everything's got to be so organised where like, you might just want to, whereas I might see you down by like the coffee machine, we can have a talk, but then it's like, oh, and this has come up and then you talk about work. But now it's like, okay, I need to talk to you about this. Can I schedule a call? And it's just ruined. I just find it ruins everything. It makes everything seem like so long. You're just like, oh, you know what? Does this, you're like, does this actually need a call? And you're like, probably not, but you've got to do it. And it's just... Yeah. Are yeah, I feel like that side of it makes it so difficult. Like starting a new job in lockdown is just gross. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I definitely miss is that sort of cross-desk conversation that you end up having, even if it is work-related, but it's a conversation that you just can't have anymore because you can't just sort of pop your head over your computer and, and talk to the person opposite and say, oh, by the way, that thing you're working on, I've just come across this. Would that be of interest? I just feel like that doesn't happen as much. It's so much harder to, you know, you're not really going to take the time to start a, a Teams call or a Zoom call just to, to mention something like that. So I think that's a big miss. Yeah, the whole, like, collaborating is just so hard. Yeah, I Unless think it's, so like, too. a big project where you can jump on. But if, like, I'm working at a desk on my laptop and you walk past and you see over my shoulder and you go, oh, like, show me this. And I can show you something. It might be like 30 seconds worth of footage or something for me. And you're like, yeah, that's good. And I know to carry on working, but 
to potentially send it over to someone and wait for them to come to feedback or organize a call and go through it. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to share my screen. And then it's a few seconds behind. It just makes everything so much more, it's like so long, so much longer. Yeah. It's just not yeah. like, you just want it to be like a really smooth process and it's just anything but. Yeah, exactly. And even if I like look back during lockdown, I mean, with the amount of stuff that's happened on social media, I mean, I'm, well, I can't say stuck, but basically stuck with my parents in Amsterdam and everything that's going on with social media, everything from Black Lives Matter to people be getting cancelled and now we've got elections coming up here in the Netherlands. I very quickly landed in an echo chamber just basically with my parents and there was no back and forth with anyone that you normally speak to about work that might have a completely different point of view than you might have. And I wonder all of this that has happened, what it would have been like if you're in an office and speaking with other people? I think everything would have been a lot more open. Yeah. Especially like with the Black Lives Matter stuff, I feel like in an office, people might be, would feel more comfortable if they don't know something to ask a question yeah. and just like say it in words, but to write it in a message or an email or a tweet or something, that is all very official. That's now there forever. So I think that just that whole thing is like someone be like I might say the wrong thing whereas you might just you could just say it and just say it wrong and be like oh I'm really sorry I didn't mean it like that yeah and explain what you did mean but over a text if I'm in a bad mood and you send me a text that is slightly bad I'm going to read it in the current headspace I'm in now I don't know if you're joking I'm just going to take it as as it is and I think like that is would have made things so much more difficult whereas you can just sort of sit around and have an open conversation with people. I don't think it's the same in a, oh, you can't really have an open conversation in a WhatsApp group because you say something a bit mad, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Send it to someone else. And then it just blows out of proportion. Whereas if you're just talking, you've almost got a chance to instantly retract your comment or explain yourself. Whereas yeah. on social media, if you tweet, you, some stuff that you probably say in person if you tweeted, it's not the right thing to do, but I just in person it's a lot more forgiving almost. And yeah, you yeah. can say you might not have the words to write it down, but you can explain it in different ways. Completely. Just add a bit of nuance to it, I guess what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that permanency, isn't there, of something that's posted, something that's written down black and white, you know, and it can be misconstrued for sure. On a similar a topic. What's your take being on athletes asking for social media platforms to be a little bit more accountable when it comes to abuse i think it's honestly ridiculous that they've got to ask like absolutely ridiculous that they've got to ask that like any 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 other way like if you were being assaulted in the street would you have to ask the police to be like oh can you like stop people from can you ask them to not do this or make them accountable like it just doesn't work i don't understand why I don't, I don't know with the confidentiality or whatever saying that you can't just get someone to put their passport on. Like in my head, it'd be like how no, like how Monzo Bank is. Mm-hmm. When you literally have to send a video saying like, my name's whatever, I want a Monzo account. Why can't that be like that with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram? Then once, because once people do that and their name's there, you can still have whatever username you want and that. But once you're a, you know it's official when it's your name to it. You're going to be a lot more. 
you're gonna be not a lot more worried, but you should be. But like, you need to be held accountable. Yeah, exactly. Because the technology is there. Like here in here in Amsterdam, you've got all these sort of like share scooters that you can like whiz around the city with, and you need to scan your driver's license, obviously, to prove that you can you're allowed to drive it, and then take a picture of yourself, and then they've got basically an algorithm clearly that checks if everything matches up, and within 15 minutes you get approved. Mm. But even like, yeah. know when people want to set, set up fan accounts and stuff like that, you can still do all that, but you just have to put your name to it so you can be held accountable. I don't, I don't understand why it's so difficult for yeah. social media platforms to do it. Like, it just, it just seems so basic. Like, why, why haven't we been doing this as well? I can't see it improving. I mean, they can, after the Ian Wright, um, after that guy got away with it, I was yeah. like slapped on a wrist. For me, I was like, they're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Like, you've got a really public case and they get away with it. Everyone else is going to be like, well, I can do it and it won't even get caught. Or yeah. if I'm not, I'm not doing it to Ian Wright, who's a massive like pundit, I can just do it to someone in League One. It ain't going to matter, sort of thing. Like, I don't, I just don't understand why they wouldn't make an example of someone and really be like, right, this, is, this isn't right. Like, you can't do this. But it was sort of like half assed. Oh, yeah, it's bad and we've acknowledged it's bad, but. Like we don't want to ruin his life, it hasn't. But it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a bit half-assed for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think from a legal perspective, if even if you look at other forms of media, you know, you look at traditional forms of media, you look at newspapers or or TV. You know, if anything gets said on those platforms, then you can immediately you can sue someone for libel, slander. But on social media, it's just it's it's incredible how far behind actually social media is in terms of legislation i guess that you can argue that social media is still like a relatively new space like i always say to like friends i'm like twitter's the wild west like anything goes and we can say like oh with tv if they do it if in newspapers if they do it but these these like media platforms have been around a lot longer than social media i don't know if it's now because we know the like the intelligence is there, the technology is there. We expect them to rectify it quicker and get on with it. But I do think we do, like, it is, is still very new. Yeah, like, exactly. if you think of, what, two years ago, did anyone know about TikTok? Even like 18 months ago, did anyone know about TikTok? And now that's one of the biggest ones. It's very, I feel like it might be very hard to manage all these rapidly growing new platforms. Yeah, and it's, and it's still, I mean, all these platforms are still trying to reinvent themselves and trying to copy each other and trying to be the, come out on top as the best one. I mean, now you've got Twitter that's trying to replicate sort of this clubhouse. You've now got Instagram announcing that you can get more people, like more than three people on live, paying for people's tweets as well. So mm. it's still like still inventing itself, but at the same time, it's so big that it's trying to move an oil tanker as well. It could just be like, because there is it's such a competitive space, if there was one company or one platform that had it, like, right, this is, say it was only Facebook, maybe it'd be easier to police because if you wouldn't comply, you can't go anywhere else. But now it's like, okay, say Instagram start doing it, but Twitter don't. People might just come off Instagram and just start yeah. being reckless on Twitter. Like, it's so hard to pin down a single person when they've got, 10 platforms to go be reckless on 
what platform do you lot reckon is like the the safest or well, not the safest like I don't know could you say like the nicest community on the platform what platform do you do you think is I mean I think rightly said Twitter is like the wild west but I don't know I feel like Instagram feels like the one that's more heavily policed things get reported on a little bit more often been said that I'm pretty sure that the screenshot that Van Aanholt put on his Twitter today saying this is why we kneel because he'd been he'd been abused I'm pretty sure that that was a, an Instagram DM so yeah I, I, I don't know I don't know which one's better but Instagram certainly feels more restricted I think Instagram's getting worse even like down to like the bot yeah like I just feel like there's more and more and more and it just like, do you guys get, like, the bots in the DMs? Oh, I've got about 20 just today. Like, I remember I used to get, I used to get occasional ones, and then yeah. all of a sudden I get them every single day, multiple ones a day. And I just think, like, shouldn't Instagram be blocking that by itself? Yeah. Like, don't they have a duty of care to potentially older people, younger people? I know, obviously, there's an age group, age limit on it, but say it's, like, 13. Surely there's a duty of care when they should have to, they could be able to block that straight away. And you not have to go through it and delete them. I know there is a way to do it on your own, but it just seems it does seem bizarre. But I do think maybe maybe Instagram, because it's like within your own community, maybe for like a regular person, but I guess when you're a footballer and you've got millions and millions of followers and people see you on a daily bit like on TV and stuff, and you're easy to find. It probably is a lot worse for them. What is the TikTok community like? Is that sort of See, I think TikTok, the TikTok community is really nice, but then yeah. I have read things where it's a bit like it's a bit mad, and some stuff has happened. But in terms of comments, like you look through comments, and I'm like, people are really nice, and I see, I could see a TikTok on Twitter and go through the comments, and then be absolutely awful, and then find exactly the same TikTok on the app, and the comments are amazing. Yeah. Like sometimes it's like really wholesome, and I never, I never go on something and think, oh my god, like I can't believe I'm reading that, or I can't believe I'm seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me as well on TikTok. Why is that? Do you think is it more heavily policed, or is it just there's a bit more of a community vibe on there? I don't know. Personally, I think it's a generational thing. I think yes, yeah. you've got you've got a younger demographic that's on there, and a demographic that's grown up sort of with communities online, but also have grown up with sort of the the know of how impactful online bullying can be and probably have all suffered it in some way or another. That would be my guess. Yeah, I just think people are much more aware of the effects of, if you say something on the internet to someone, that does affect someone else. Yeah. Whereas I remember being a kid and like learning about cyberbullying and like they'd wheel in a TV and show like fuzzy writing on the computer and like dramatic music. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like if, if I go on the internet and speak to someone, I'm going to end up in the back of a van. <laughs> yeah. But the internet is not, it's not just, that's not just the only damage it can do. Like that, that probably rarely happens. But the fact that people can say stuff to you and that will affect you is probably more of a problem than having to worry about me messaging someone and then going to meet them and then throwing them back of a van. Like I, I just yeah. feel like there's much more. I don't know if that's with mental health being spoken about more and being 
more widely accepted that you don't just worry about the fiscal threat now and everyone growing up with that obviously makes a difference but yeah i do think it's just it might be because it's a newer app and the people who are the people who are like nasty and want to just go on there to be like damaging haven't found it yet almost yeah and i think as well as soon as you get that critical mass of a community of as soon as you come into it there's sort of the the agreed rules of that community so it's much harder to sort of infiltrate that and become become more belligerent or something yeah massively well i always think like the whole football twitter is just like the way they treat people is just disgusting and it's just sort of bled into other social medias and i feel like football clubs like official football clubs are starting to do it on on tiktok it's all very tongue-in-cheek but it's like they're poking yeah. fun at opponents yeah and i get it like yeah it's funny but at the same time do i want to see barcelona making fun of exeter not really but that no, might be really exactly. funny to someone else and it might do really well but at the same time when stuff like this happens it almost it normalizes the behavior no completely. i think that's what's happened on twitter with as well as good as i think AFTVR and i think they're like great at what they do their constant berating of players and getting success from it has that played into has that played into it yeah i mean you're de- you're definitely validating it aren't you yeah exactly and then for someone who's a bit younger like growing up i'm like being in a house or go you go to the pub with your dad and watch football and you you see everyone getting angry and you're like why is everyone so angry and you don't really yeah. get it and it's a bit it's a bit threatening and like you're a bit scared but on twitter if you see it it's it's a laugh isn't it if it's it's arm's length it's funny if you see dt do it and all of them you're like oh it's actually quite funny and they're actually doing really well from it and i i want to do youtube and they're doing youtube so maybe i should do it this way yeah and it exactly is, it's, that. everyone's so impressionable you just you just don't know yeah completely what do you think of the football clubs making sort of trying to get in on the banter on tiktok trying to make fun of opponents and stuff like that do you feel do you feel like they're just trying to jump on a trend and i think it's cheap laughs man yeah I feel to like me, it's to me, it feels which... like it's, it's sort of the uncle trying to be with the cool kids at the wedding. Not even that. It just feels like at school, like you've got when kids like make fun of each other based on appearance and stuff, and it's like, oh, it's like that's not funny. Like you, you're just being you're just being nasty. Some people might laugh, but it's not nice. You shouldn't be doing it. Like if you've just beaten a team and you you haven't got to make fun of them. Like I, I just feel like this is basic stuff we learn when we're growing up beat a team at football you shake the hand and that's it cool I haven't got to beat them and then make fun of them in front of them like it just it just it just seems a bit weird to me I just, I just don't personally get it yeah it definitely feels like that sort of stuff is catered for a younger generation it's not I don't think it's it's for us uh, as it were and maybe it maybe it is that younger generation that you were saying that are on TikTok, on TikTok. it well, just seems so school playground like Let's make fun of this person because they're really slow. Yeah. Let's do, and then you got Wolves doing it to Harry Maguire. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this just makes no sense. Like, obviously, they. I, I just think they forget, and especially like when clubs do it to other clubs, and it's like, okay, their admins made a mistake, and now you're going to heighten it. But you might have a really bad day because you got it from some fans, but now you're directing your fans there. 
it just seems like surely there should be some unison and they should just think on like it's all good going viral and that's the thing isn't it but at the same time term. it's like you always have that in my head i'm always like okay you can do content that's going to do well or you can do content because it's the right thing to do almost yeah it's sort of the, the duty you have as a yeah as the official account as the official club like you're in this blessed position where you say something or do you create a piece of content and it's influential why are you gonna use that to poke fun at someone or not do the right thing i just find yeah. it really strange yeah and pull someone else down a lot of times like with different sports or especially like well this is the easiest one for me like in my head it's always okay women's sport and men's sport i could post a picture of mares and it do really well but i've done that for the last 10 but i could post a picture of the women's team and it not do so well but it's bringing it's putting eyes on it why, why would you not want to do that why would you not want to help something grow why would you not want to yeah. be part of that instead of just riding the wave it just it just seems a bit strange has that been really refreshing to you that working at the BBC that that is sort of the the approach that BBC Sport take? Um, it is. It, it, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's refreshing because I just think in my head. I think if I went somewhere and they didn't do it, I'd be like, "This is ridiculous." Like, I just feel like if you're doing that, it's so 2006 sort of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you should. It's why? Why? Why is equality something that we've got to make make a conscious decision about? Like, it should just be. It should just be happening almost. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, not even almost. It should just be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying about athletes having to ask the question that, you know, people be banned from social media for being abusive. You know, why should they have to ask sort of thing? I think you're right, 100%. But the big question I have is when can we see another Liam Loftus, Ben Wilde Studios collab? I don't know. But hopefully soon. Ben is so busy. He is. I think he might be one of the most talented people I've ever worked with, you know. I don't know if you lot, uh, you might be really good at drawing, but I always have things. I watch cartoons. Like I've watched cartoons since I can remember, like anime, everything. So I know cartoons, and, and I feel like I should know how to draw. But how can I see all these images in my head, and then I put my hand on a piece of paper, and it's wrong? Like, it makes no sense to me. But then when I'm saying stuff to Ben, and I'm explaining to him over the phone what I'm seeing in my head, how come he can he can then go draw it? exactly how it is in my head i just find that so baffling it's crazy i've, I've got the same with people on instrument oh my god the people who can just hear stuff and play it yeah exactly that i just feel like that should be that should be everyone everyone should be able to do that but then again that's part i can look at messi and when he does his thing i can kind of understand it's beyond me to his thinking but i can kind of see where he's coming from but when someone just picks up a random instrument that they've never played before but kind of like play around with it for a couple minutes and then suddenly they they're banging it some song out it's just beyond me yeah i always think that if you can visualize it you can probably do it yeah and i remember like playing football and like trying never have done anything like it in my head i remember seeing it and thought yeah well, i could probably do that mm -hmm. and i tried it and it just like shanked it wide and then someone was like why did you do that and i was like i was trying to do this and the person was like, oh, fair. No, I can see why you tried to do that, but you've yeah. never done that before. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I know, but I never thought of it before. Like, well, what? <laughs> like how, obviously, I've never tried it because I've only just, only just thought of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Liam. Thanks for coming on. I think we'll probably wrap it up just to keep it 
relatively short because to be honest I probably could just go on like this for, for ages, for ages. Yeah. This, is, this is the problem when you go out for drinks <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> this is when the gin and tonics would start coming out and then you, you come in the next day and you're so hungover and you're like oh, we, were only, we was only talking I don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> exactly no well thank you very much that was really fun I really Thanks enjoyed that on, and much yeah, appreciated. hopefully see you soon. Yeah, hopefully for sure. Hopefully, do this, do this in person in the northern quarter. That's the dream. Hopefully, no, no live bands like the last time. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Liam. Thanks a lot, right, guys. Mate. See you later.